You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, ho, 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 ho. You know how you say, you just say hello, hello, hello. I decided it's the last minute I say ho, 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 ho. How about that? Great. Way to go, Matt. You're, you're something. Um, it is Christmas Eve. Didn't think I was going to talk to you guys today. Um, I know I'm not going to talk to you tomorrow, and frankly, I won't miss you all that much tomorrow, enjoying Christmas with the fam, and Christmas Eve will be over at my parents' house, and aunts and uncles and cousins and all those good things will be there, probably about 15 of us, but I did an impromptu Twitter Thursday situation here, threw out some, uh, that I have a small window here to record with you guys, so let's take some Twitter questions and figured I'd get you in, you know, get into your ear holes here a little bit, um, since we won't talk until Wednesday when uh, Mike Renner joins us as usual from Pro Football Focus. Those are always good conversations. Um, many of you have been asking me. This is the most festive conversation. I apologize. I'll make it quick. But many of you have been asking me what's going on with my writing career right now, and. Here's the story, and it's not a good one. It's a really crappy one, to be very honest with you. Don't mean to bring you down on your Christmas Eve, and I'm by no, by no means in a bad mood about it at the moment, but I'm not happy about it overall. Um, as many of you know, and as many of you have told, I've, I told you on the podcast, probably eight months or so ago, maybe even a year, I started my own website, Williamson Football. And I did so with the intentions of it being a precursor to Clayton football. We knew that John was very interested in starting his site. So my site was kind of work out the bugs, um, get some subscribers. I knew I was not going to make millions of dollars and feed my family off it, that I was not a big enough draw on my own to rack in big subscription money. But we worked out a lot of problems by using it so that whenever we did go live with ClaytonFootball.com, with a lot more expanded staff and you know bigger name people than me, of course, that it would be much smoother. And that took longer to develop than we had hoped. I mean, it took a while into the season. I was hoping we would get that released in the preseason. I mean, so the timing of it wasn't great. And by no means am I blaming John or any of the people that I worked with, Bill Williamson. They're really great people, and I like them a great deal, and I hope to work with them a lot. But Clayton football folded after like a month and a half. It was like six weeks. And uh, I don't exactly know why. I, I guess it was a flawed business model. And the people that do the business side of things decided it no longer was, that it was not going to be a successful venture. So I made basically zero dollars for close to a year with writing and didn't write anywhere else and turned down a lot of other opportunities to do this, and so now I am looking for more work in the writing world, and obviously this time of year is a really bad time to do that, and in the coming months, hopefully things will open up, but that's why I'm not writing at the moment, so I have a lot of irons in the fire to make that happen, but financially it was a big problem, obviously, um, because, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically where I've made my money over the last 15 years or so, is writing podcasts are sort of a side thing and they don't pay as well basically so many of you have asked and thank you for your concern i'm sorry if you um you know are, are bummed about the sites and don't get this you know that content because i and again the content i thought was very good and i'm gonna pat myself on the back 
But here's what bums me out more than the money is I very much believe that when I went and I started my own site that I got that I've become the best that I have been at my craft. You know, I mean, I was at ESPN for 10 years and have written all over the web. Have you guys known probably for four or five since? But I got really good, and my articles, I was the most proud of my articles that I ever have been in those 15 years over this last stint working for John and my own site. And what pisses me off more than the money, or at least as much as the money, or lack of money, is no one read them, you know, because we didn't have the subscribers. So barely anyone read them, and therefore it wasn't like, ESPN and NFL.com always seems like, wow, look at all the great content Williamson put out. Let's hire him. You know, like, it's hard to get back on the map now because no one read it. I mean, it kind of disappeared for 10 months or whatever it is because, you know, it was a subscription-based situation. So that's where I'm at. Um, Don't fear I will be back and writing somewhere soon. I have no doubt about that. And I know a fair amount of people in the business, as you would think. But it bums me out that none of you got to read, or few of you got to read any of it. And many people don't, you know, know that the content that I was pumping out. So, okay, um, enough of that nonsense. It is Twitter Thursday on Christmas Eve, and Coach Lamers asked me, what do you think the Lions need to succeed? What's missing? That's a really tough one for me. I think the easy answer is talent on defense. I mean, I feel like they need four or five starters on defense. The longer answer is I think that they're adapting a very different system on both sides of the ball with a new coaching staff, and that takes time. I mentioned, you know, they wrote for my site. One of the things I did in the offseason was I ranked every position. I had Stafford, like, as my ninth or tenth-ranked quarterback. I don't know that I could put him there anymore, and I don't know that I blame him, but I wonder if he's stagnating a little bit at this stage of his career. Like, if you look at their offense, I'm a big on Johnson believer. I'm a big Galladay believer. I think that their offensive line is quite good, at least on paper. They probably could use another receiver, probably a tight end would be great. I mean, a first-round tight end might go a really long way to solidifying that offense. Um, but the production on the field has not met the talent that's on the roster on that side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, I think it has, and there just isn't much, that they need a lot more. So, tentatively, I'm going on with this coaching staff, but maybe with a short leash. I mean, I hate switching schemes, and, you know, they're looking for the Damon Harrison-type defensive tackles, and they have some guys like that in place. But they lack playmakers on defense, that's for sure. And Slay's a good player, but back seven guys are needed. They need five or six new starters total. And I just wonder how smooth this change is going to happen on both sides of the ball schematically and the culture building. We'll see. But I would stick with Patricia at least another year and at least see, you know, are we are, the, are things changing in the building? All right. I got about 10 questions here. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back in a moment. All right, all right. Um, this is a dynasty question. I'll answer it anyways. But uh, he asked, if I'm drafting for dynasty today, does Mahomes go first? And what the, what we're talking about here is fantasy and, you know, you, get, you keep your guys forever. It's like building a real team. But it's fantasy. First of all, he doesn't go first of any position. But clearly he's the first quarterback. But I will kind of warn you that... 
one year ago, I thought Wentz was clearly the top quarterback. So things can change quickly, and I know Mahomes looks matchup-proof, and this guy's going to be the biggest stud ever. And I believe that, and I don't know if you guys remember this. He was my favorite quarterback in that class. Love him. Still do. Still do. I'm very much on board. I would. I bought up stock of Mahomes early on. I mean, I think he's a stud. But there's a lot of quarterbacks in the fantasy world, and don't think that... I read a stat today on ESPN that he's averaging like five fantasy points per game more than the second quarterback in the league this year. Like, that's amazing. But if you remember, Watson did that for a short stretch last year, too. And I know, I'm not saying that Mahomes is a flash in the pan, but that discrepancy isn't going to keep up, you know, him versus number two. Like, if I were to, if you give me the field, I'll take the field over Mahomes finishing as the quarterback one next year. So, just be a little cautious. All right. Evil Jester asks, how drunk is the appropriate amount of drunk at a family holiday, holiday gathering that includes aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, and your in-laws? The in-laws thing I'd say is big. And every family's different, of course. I would go with feeling good, not falling down drunk. I mean, falling down drunk's never good for anybody, especially yourself, you know, if then especially if it ends up in barf all over yourself drunk. We don't like that. Nobody likes being with you like that even if you're the most fun drunk in the world. Um, assuming you're not driving or anything, of course, but get pretty tuned up, man. Have fun. If that's your bag, do it up. Um, just don't be barfing on anybody, you know. Have a good meal. Be jolly. I got no problem with that. One of our buds here, Joshua Silber, asked a really good question here. Which wide receiver from the great 2014 class would you want for the next three years? Would it be crazy to say Devontae Adams over OBJ and Mike Evans? Um, I think it's crazy to say anyone over OBJ. But it's not crazy to have Adams in that conversation for sure. And I went over to drafthistory.com and I just wanted to reiterate to you guys what that receiver class was like. This is 2014. Sammy Watkins went 4th, Evans went 7th, Odell went 12th, Brandon Cooks went 20th, Kelvin Benjamin went 28th, Marquise Lee went 39, Jordan Matthews went 42nd, Paul Richardson went 45th, Devontae Adams went 53rd, I mean, and he's one of the best 10 receivers in the league. Cody Latimer went 58th, Allen Robinson, great pick, goes 61. Jarvis Landry, 63. That's pretty nice. Two out of three picks going Allen Robinson and Jarvis Landry in the late second round. Uh, you got Josh Huff at 86. Moncrief at 90. John Brown at 91. Now you're, now you're starting to stretch a little bit. I mean, but Bruce Ellington, 106. He's still putting it out there. And Martavis Bryant, to me, is probably the most note, or the least, the last noteworthy one at 118. And we know now why he fell to 118. He's obviously not... There's a lot, 117 more talented players in the 2014 draft than Martavis Bryant. But we know why he's no longer... You know, why he's not a factor. Odell stands alone to me. I think Adams stands alone at number two. Then I think I go Evans, Cooks... Watkins is tough. I mean... I had no problem with them taking Watkins at four. Remember, they traded up. When right, I think he's better than Landry, John Brown, Allen Robinson. But he's, I mean, I think I'd rather have certainly Allen Robinson than, than Watkins. And they both are free agents. They both made about the same amount of money. 
Um, but really good class. I still think Odell, though, absolutely stands alone. And I wrote an article back when I was writing articles <laughs> that uh, at about the midway point of the season, I thought Odell on tape looked like the best receiver in the league this year. And it doesn't mean he produced that way and circumstances didn't always help him. But I thought his tape by about early November was probably the best in the league. All right, another quick break, and then we're going to wrap it up with a few more questions here. Here we go. Barney hates DJT. AB versus Moss versus Calvin. Who's number two wide receiver all time, obviously behind Rice? I think those are the names. I would throw T.O. in there, but I probably would not vote for him. But the one I think you're missing is Julio Jones. I mean... Yeah, I'm a little Steeler biased, don't get me wrong. and But I'm torn between who's better for this generation between A.B. and Julio. And I just mentioned OBJ. He can't be in this conversation yet, but I think he you know, will be in this type of conversation as an all-time great, but he's not involved. Um, This is tough. I mean, I think it's Moss. I think Moss was the most special going down upfield. But, I mean, I think you can't overlook the two or three years where Moss kind of took a break from playing football. I mean, it wasn't much of a factor, those Raider years. I mean, Patriots got him for a fifth-round pick. I mean, he was not, you know, everyone clamoring, giving up first-rounders to try to take him off your hands. You know, I mean, Amari Cooper's went for one. Moss went for five. But I do think his body of work, his career, was the second best in history. I think A.B. and Julio could unseat him, though, after a few more years. I mean, their numbers are insane. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you should, at Williamson NFL. But go back and look at the read the tweet that I cut and pasted from Pro Football Focus about Julio's productivity per route run. is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And clearly, I mean, it's easier to throw the ball now than it was in Moss's age. I just think Moss, for his time, was more dominant. And imagine what he would do now. All that being said, I did not forget about Calvin Johnson. If I were a corner, that this is one of my tests. Like, who do I least want to cover for 60 minutes? That answer might be Calvin Johnson. You know, if I'm a, I mean, I'm a first-round corner. I'm 5'11". I run a 4'4". I got long arms. I got... I'm twitched up. I got loose hips. Well, Calvin's still better physically than in all areas than me. You know, I'm still at a massive disadvantage against this guy, let alone if I'm a 5'9 dude or run a 4'5'5. You know what I mean? Like, let alone the below average players. Calvin was the rarest to me and I think would be the biggest nightmare just lining up against. You know, like, with all respect to someone like Holt and Bruce and Harrison and Wayne, all great players, great, great players. You'd much rather line up against those guys than Randy Moss or T.O., Julio, let alone Calvin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they might nickel and dime you. Today. And A.B.'s kind of like that. I mean, he might kill you with route running, and they're all awesome. But they're not as physically dominant. Andrew Bell asked a good question, too. And this is another one kind of like the Lions conversation that I don't have a great answer for. But what or where is next for Ryan Tannehill? If he can't succeed in Miami with a supposed QB guru and Adam Gase, can he work out anywhere else? And I've been a Tannehill supporter. And if any of you guys listened to last Thursday's show, 
it was kind of a reality check because Sando said something along the lines of, I forget what it was. This is Tannehill's eighth year or sixth year or whatever it is. And I always think of him as like in the, the tier of like the Mariotas and the developing guys. But he's halfway through his career if, if he's last. I mean, if he's halfway through his career. I mean, he is what he is at this point probably. And he's an easy guy to make excuses for. You know, like their pass protection's terrible and they don't have a lot of weapons and he's missed time and he's had several, you know, coordinators, coaches, all those type of things. But I think he's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Schaub, you know, a, a bottom tier starter journeyman that probably bounces around the league, maybe has a good year here and there. I don't know. I mean... I hate to give up on him because I did feel pretty strongly that he was an underrated player before this year. And I don't know that he's had a bad year. But, I mean, like, if he was a Jags quarterback, are they a playoff team? Maybe. You know, maybe. I mean, I think he's an NFL starter. And amazingly, he still has, quote, upside. But how long can you wait? I mean, that's a tough call for me. Um, if I'm Miami, it's kind of like the, the conversation I had yesterday about the Giants. I think I'd go in with him as a starter, and hopefully I have a backup younger plan that we go to if he doesn't succeed. Uh, Lee Wisniewski asks, What's your opinion on sitting players after you clinch or get eliminated? This is certainly team to team, and this is a very much a coach has his pulse on the team type of thing. Um, if you're a team like the... Saints or the Chiefs or, you know, one of these teams with a bye in the first round of the playoffs, I would be very hesitant to sit guys week 17. Like, I don't want my starting quarterback sitting out week 17, then a bye week, and then finally playing. Like, that to me is too long. I am very much a proponent of when you're out of the race, Cam Newton, certainly Aaron Rodgers, I, 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 would, have shut, I would shut those guys down because... They're fighting things. They're battling to stay on the field. And I'm a believer, as much as I love great draft picks, I'm a believer that when, like a team like the Browns or the Giants, like winning is or the Raiders, it's more important to win now and build the culture of winning than to get the good draft pick. I mean, it'd be different if Andrew Luck was coming out maybe, but I'm not saying. So I think winning late in the season, even when a quote doesn't matter, is very important for rebuilding teams. And like the Browns, I mean, if they go beat Baltimore, wow. You know, I mean, there is a momentum there. There's a culture of learning how to win. But if it's a franchise-type quarterback like Newton, Rodgers, I don't know why you keep putting them out there. You know, like, they're too valuable to risk for no reward. Um, I think it's tough, though, leading into the playoffs and things, though, is, you know, who do you, who do you rest? I mean, I, I am a big believer in... In if you vote, if you're playing in the first round and week 17 doesn't matter, um, to set sit your stars, I think that's legit. You know, that yeah, you lose in week 17, but it's really a bye week, and I think that's great. And sometimes you will find a under the radar dude, you know, in the, in the meantime, you use that as a kind of a preseason game to, to get your backup quarterback ready, you know, but. All these guys are hurting. So I think if you can rest someone week 17 leading into a wild card bye week, that I would do that. And I'm definitely a believer in doing so. Uh, last question. How much is the loss of Hunt going to hurt the Chiefs? 
I think it's substantial. And Damian Williams looks good, and he's talented and wears okay at his best day. But having three... I know this sounds elementary, but having three weapons is way harder to defend than having two. Like, I'll use the example of the Steeler game yesterday. I mean, like... And even against New England. Like, teams are doing everything possible to take away Juju and A.B., and it's easier said than done. But they couldn't do that if Lev Bell was there. And I'm not saying Hunt's to Lev Bell's level, but he's the top 10 back, and I think he's a great player, and he's multifaceted, and when he's in the game, you don't know if it's run or pass. And he makes all those around him a lot better. And the Steelers are a great example of, you know, even being without Connor makes them much, much easier to defend. So I do think it's substantial. If Mahomes remains a magician and never makes any mistakes, it won't matter because he's unbelievable. But I keep thinking, and we said this all offseason, that the Chiefs are going to be the most fun team to watch in the league because what a roller coaster it's going to be. But there's been so few lows for, for Mahomes. I mean, with the risks he takes, I just think that there's probably going to come back to bite him at some point. And that's when it would lo- you'd love to have Hunt, you know, especially if it's, freezing cold in Kansas City and or you're you end up you know somewhere along the lines with just a and it probably won't happen this year for them but on, on the road in a difficult environment it'd be great to lean on a running game and a quality back but Mahomes is a magician um I do think it's a big loss so I, I really do so guys this was great uh happy Christmas Eve to all uh, I will be back on Wednesday I, I can't speak for the rest of the locked on network what all they're recording today tomorrow. But certainly check out your favorite team, uh, who your favorite team's playing. Check out all those Locked On podcasts as well. And leave me some feedback on iTunes. All right, thanks so much. Over and out. Happy holidays.